Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today I have with me in the studio, Vanessa Santorelli. Thank you for coming in today. I'm happy to be here. So Vanessa, you have so many things that you've done, but what is it that you're working on right now that is so very exciting for the state of Maine? Oh, well, thank you for having me again. I'm really excited to be here. Um, Gosh, I feel like I've got a few things that I'm doing that I'm really excited about. One, um, I just started filming for Maine Food Story, which is a spinoff of Maine Life, um, which I am grateful to be included on uh, with Aaron O'Valley, the founder of Maine Life Media, and um, starting to get more clients planning their upcoming visits to Maine for the 2023 season. And uh, I have a full calendar of culinary events, um, both uh, industry-only events and also ones that are open to the public to sign up for. Really fun and exciting events all throughout the state. So lots going on, (laughs) as always. (laughs) Well, and it's impressive because if I look at what you've done over the years, I mean, you've really done a, a, a broad variety of things. I mean, we actually have an intersection because for some period of time you worked with the Maine Primary Care Association. Yes, and your sister, right, is um, one of the providers that worked for one of uh, the community health centers, I remember. Um, Yes, so I had a 20-year career in public policy and advocacy, um, and the last five years of that career was at the Maine Primary Care Association, so... um, I've uh, I've been very fortunate to have had um, experiences working in nonprofits, working for private lobbying firms, working for state government, and then now uh, as a small business owner. So it's been it's been interesting to see <laughs> um, the different perspectives and approaches to you know work here in Maine and life here in Maine in those different capacities. You grew up in our state capital. I did. I was born and raised in Augusta. Very proud to say that. Um, And uh, so, you know, the state house was obviously just this big focal point. Um, But Coney graduate, um, undefeated state field hockey champions. (laughs) Um, Actually, we were class A undefeated state basketball champions on the women's side as well, although I didn't play basketball. So, yes, I proud Coney Ram. Grew up in Augusta. Spent a lot of time though in Lincoln, Maine. Um, our family had a summer ca- uh, had a camp up in Lincoln um, that my dad won in a poker game. So we spent many childhood days and weekends up at camp, swimming and fishing, and you know riding four wheelers. And yeah, it was great. It seems like it's a somewhat high stakes poker game if he's winning <laughs> a piece of real estate. My dad. Uh, Yes, uh, he actually has interesting background. He was an Italian uh, chef and cook and wonderful, brilliant. Um, that's part of where I get all of my interest in sort of everything culinary. Um, but my dad, he's he's my late father. He's no longer here with us. He, um, he ran, I don't know if they were legal, um, poker games and things like that. Um, and yeah, he... Yep. Unfortunately, somebody lost their camp and I, that was before I was born. And, but I got, I was beneficial. uh, I was one of the beneficiaries of him winning that in the game. And we have a lot of fond memories, um, of our time there. I believe that your, um, your 
interest in fine food goes back even further than your father. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> my grandparents, Guido and Giovanna Santarelli, um, they had restaurants in East Hampton, Long Island, uh, the Villa Door, where actually Ray Charles used to play the piano there from time to time. They had photos that they would show me, and Barbara Streisand used to dine there um, on occasion. They also owned a restaurant um, called Guido's in Astoria, Queens in New York, and then uh, they were actually avid outdoorsmen. Um, my nana was a hunter, um, and they, with their friends from New York, somehow uh, found their way to Maine. They owned these traditional sporting camps up in the Katahdin region, but they also um, owned a restaurant, an Italian restaurant in Augusta on Water Street called Guido's Wine Cellar. So um, as, as a child, I used to remember seeing Maine's big politicians coming in and having lunch and dinner and yeah, it was a it was a wonderful restaurant. Um, great memories. Um, I was very fortunate. I got homemade pasta, homemade sausage, homemade bread. Um, you know, venison cutlets from the deer that my nana, you know, hunted uh, as a child. And so, yeah, I I have that in my blood, I guess. So, do you feel that the work you're doing now is a <clears throat> way to help other um, main chefs and? people in the hospitality industry gain more exposure? Um, gosh, I <laughs> there are so many chefs and folks that are in Maine's food and hospitality universe that I've looked up to for a long time. And when I left my career in, you know, kind of like government and politics and, and public policy, I, I mean, when I was in that life, I was fortunate to travel the entire state. And I spent every dime pretty much that I made in that world, you know, on where I was going to eat, where I was going to stay, recreational things all across the state. So I was fortunate in that I built friendships and other types of relationships with a bunch of folks um, in that world. Um, and I feel like I'm grateful that they are willing to, you know, support me just as much as I support I would like to think that I support them. So, um, I mean, there are definitely, you know, chefs and innkeepers and cheesemakers and brewers and distillers and others that I, you know, they've been around and, you know, paving the way for a long time. And they certainly don't need my help um, to sort of elevate their profile. I feel like it's almost the opposite. So, um, in fact, <laughs> one of my... Um, you know, marketing ideas, which was like, I don't know if it was a, just because I didn't have a lot of money as a new start was, um, I would approach inns that already had a presence, you know, in the state, people would go and, and book rooms with them. And I would say, Hey, you know, rather than be like a quote unquote travel agent, where if I book somebody to stay at your property, one of my clients, you pay me a fee. I said, Hey, I'm not going to do that. I will refer clients to you. Would you be willing to put my logo, uh, you know, link and description somewhere on your website? So, so they were like, that's all we have to do. It doesn't have to be on the homepage. There was no expectation of people, them sending me people, but I would get clients who would see my logo on all these hotels, websites, and it was essentially a way to get some free marketing out of it. Um, and so that was, yeah. I think that's brilliant because what you're talking about um, is 
is a way that you've kind of created value, but it has also been valuable to you, mm-hmm. but not in a way that I, I think recently um, influencers have gotten a little bit of a bad rap for asking for free stuff, mm-hmm. and understandably so, because you know people who are in the hospitality business, it costs them money to make food and you know have rooms available, for example. Yeah. So for you just to say you know, this is a relationship. We're building a relationship and I appreciate that. And, um, hopefully this will come back to benefit me. And it sounds like it has. I think that that, that really feels better than asking for kind of free, just the traditional free stuff approach. I've never, um, wanted, nor have I just gone to any restaurant or in and just said, hi, I'm a, I'm an influencer or a blogger or whatever. And can you give me a free meal? In fact, Um, And I don't, you know, if that's what folks do as part of their business model, more power to them. Um, I don't disparage them for that. What my approach, for my approach, as you just described, you know, the chefs, they're operating on the tightest of margins. And I also wanted to have an unbiased opinion when referring my clients to a restaurant about like, you know, I paid for my meal at the restaurant. So if I don't really enjoy it, maybe I don't include it on, you know, a client's itinerary. Um, but if I, if I did enjoy it then, or maybe if I enjoyed three of the dishes and not the fourth, maybe I say, oh, this restaurant's fantastic. Here's what I would recommend you order. Cause I just don't want to be negative either. I've gotten criticized occasionally Um, on my Instagram, I'd get occasional direct messages from people saying, oh, all you do is say, this is the best pizza. This is the best pasta. This is the best, you know, octopus. This is the best, whatever, uh, burger. Um, why don't you ever tell us what you don't like? And it's like, I'm not trying to put myself out as a food critic. I I don't, you know, I'm here to, um, I, you know, I think there's too much negativity in the world. I'd rather focus on positive ways to help promote our, you know, incredible um, food and hospitality businesses in any way, shape or form. And, you know, I'm not going to be putting posts up that that say nasty things about anyone. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I want to go back and I want to say, I also agree with you. If if there's an influencer whose business model is to feature food that they or some product that they've been given access to. And obviously there's a value to the work that the influencer does. I also completely agree. I don't have a problem with that per se. I I just think your model is, is interesting for the reasons we've described. And also I really value the fact that you're talking about kind of a very kind of, um, kind of a strength oriented approach to, uh, making pleasurable things happen for people within the state of Maine. Because I, I know when I was working with them, with Maine Magazine and the other magazines, mm-hmm. um, that was often a focus was let's show the best of Maine. Let's let's show people the best houses and the best restaurants. And and by best, I don't mean like this is James Beard nominated. What, what I mean is here are all these really wonderful options that exist. And you might like this one. You might like this one. You might like this one. And it was the same sort of criticism would come in. People would say, well, that's not really a biased opinion if everything (laughs) is the best. And it's like, well, but 
doesn't, don't we have a broad variety of people with a broad variety of tastes? Of tastes, exactly. Well, it's interesting you talk about Maine Magazine. And, and, and I should also say, um, if I do go to restaurants, I do get a dish sent to me occasionally that I don't pay for because the chefs are sending me a dish and I don't send it back. I mean, I'll eat it. <laughs> that would be rude. Gladly. That would be rude. And I'm not rude. Um, so there are times, you know, and if I have an established relationship with an inn, sometimes they'll offer me a business rate or a discount on the stay, or even sometimes if I'm partnering with them, a free stay because they value that relationship. I just mean that I don't enter into situations where I go in expecting, you know, anything for free. Um, I go in expecting that I'm going to pay for it and considering that a value. But with respect to Maine Magazine, so I subscribed to Maine Magazine. This was back when I was in that previous life, um, career life. And when I was in New Hampshire, um, working as the director of New Hampshire Public Policy for Bi-State Primary Care Association, um, when I left New Hampshire to come back to Maine, my gift to all of the staff at Bi-State was uh, annual subscription to Maine Magazine because all I did was talk about how much I missed Maine and I thought that Maine Magazine did a wonderful job of, you know, I mean, the artwork, the photography, the descriptions, the restaurant features, all of those things I, I you know, really enjoyed. And in fact, um, when I started my business, um, Chris Cast um, was um, instrumental in helping me to sort of come up with that brand and the logo and, um, you know, so I, I have a connection there as well. And so it's, it's funny how we all have, instead of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, we have like the one degree of separation here in Maine or something. Yes, that's certainly true. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I think, you know, when I, um, when I'm thinking about growing up in Maine and how much Maine has changed, I know I've had my experience. Um, and I now work with a healthcare system based in Augusta that has a, well, relatively brand new facility. So mm -hmm. I know that that's at least one area in which the Augusta area has changed. But as an Augusta native, I'm sure there are many, many more that I am not even thinking of. What's the difference between where you grow up and what that area has evolved to, in your opinion? Augusta itself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, gosh, I've seen Augusta go from kind of a really vibrant, bustling community as a child and the downtown to sort of a period where the downtown just kind of collapsed. There was all these investments in these like big box type, you know, developments on various different areas of my hometown. And um, I'll never forget, you know, so Water Street in Augusta was a hub of the community. You had high-end men's clothing stores, high-end women's clothing stores, shoe stores, bakeries, my father's restaurant. There was another restaurant, Hazel Greens, you know, the politicians and lobbyists and lawyers. And so there was a business community. It wasn't just considered a community where folks would come in, work, and then leave. People actually would go down into the downtown area and support the businesses there um, as opposed to kind of go to all these sort of bedroom communities and surrounding areas or whatever. And then, um, and I'll never forget, it was the flood of 87 um, and it was a massive flood and the river, Kennebec River was so high that the, um, the smaller bridge, um, 
So there's the memorial bridge and the smaller bridge. The water was actually going over the top of the bridge deck. And my father's restaurant got completely flooded, as did a number of the other businesses down there. And it was that flood that ended up, I think, kind of my grandparents and my father closed and my mother closed the restaurant. Um, and then like, it just seemed like that was that period. Then all of these developments were happening in different parts of the, the community. And it was really sad to watch because the downtown was really devastated, I think. And, um, it had a huge impact on, um, you know, that small town kind of, you know, sort of, fabric of the community feel. But now, as we're seeing, I mean, the really wonderful um, developments happening with um, the investments. You've got all these new restaurants down on Water Street again, like, you know, Kushnock Brewings down there and State Lunch and the Oak Table. And, you know, businesses are coming back and being supported, Downtown Diner. And, you know, I go on and on. Um, and it's really wonderful to see. And I also credit, um, you know, organizations like the Maine Development Foundation and others, um, you know, for, you know, saying we're going to move our offices downtown before all of these other businesses started seeing the downtown as a value again. So I can tell you in my current position where a big part of my job is bringing medical staff, doctors, nurse practitioners, physician assistants into work for our healthcare system um, is helping people to understand the value of this area and the value of the Gardner area and the value Absolutely. of the Waterville area. Yeah. And so, you know, we will take our new medical staff out to dinners on Water Street or, you know, up to Waterville on Main Street and um, to to have that to show them like this, this is Maine. I mean, this is a really wonderful part of Maine where you can get great food and the people are very friendly and invested in the community. And, and I think this is what brings, and I'm just interested, you know, I'm specifically talking right now about like the healthcare professionals, but this is what brings generally people to the area right? and then causes them to stay and raise their children and, you know, continue to build that community. And I, and I think when we talk about Maine, that's really what we need. Absolutely. Um, and at Maine Primary Care Association, I remember the community health centers, they had, you know, I mean, the recruitment issue obviously was a huge concern. Um, I was really happy that during my time um, in that organization, we built a strong coalition and passed the first ever primary care professionals tax credit in the state. Um, New Hampshire had had one. And when I came back, that was one of the things that I had said would be a goal um, when I was hired for my position because obviously the recruitment and retention situation for not just physicians but nurse practitioners and physicians assistants and medical assistants was so um, you know critical especially in rural areas but also in you know larger communities like Augusta um, and Portland and elsewhere so um, so yeah and you know I I just remember you know, folks talking about like, where can we take, I mean, as a lobbyist in Augusta, we want to be able to take folks out for lunch in Augusta. And I love Hollowell, but like, they would also be like, well, we're, we're going to Hollowell. No, they, there was just like not a lot of options in Augusta for a while. I mean, you know, um, the Thai restaurant, awesome, you know, the Senator, great. But, you know, I think it's really nice to see a little bit more of a dynamic variety of options now. 
I also like when you talk about the the concierge service that you're providing, you're bringing people into the state to enjoy kind of a, a slice of our experience when we live here in Maine, that people are so connected to our state mm-hmm. once they leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people that we have coming into the Portland Art Gallery, they went to summer camp here or they had a great meal on the deck of... Um, you know, a lobster shack out in, yeah. the, you know, some part <laughs> of the coast, you know, like there's some, and people will connect to these experiences and they're so, so, um, it creates so much longevity with their memories. So what you're doing now is interesting because you're kind of in a weird way, lobbying a slightly different stakeholder group, but also kind of having the same impact possibly over the long term, like creating this interest, bringing people to Maine. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe they'll remember it. Who really knows? Maybe it's two generations away, but you're you're building that business for Maine. Yeah, and uh, very well said. And it's funny because I have repeat clients who are from places like Tennessee and you know California and Texas, and they they just loved their experience here so much that now you know they had planned to go elsewhere like you know okay we went to Maine we've done that no now they actually want to come back they want to buy properties here they want to buy camps here they want to go to different destinations um what I also like is that you know I think people who want to come to Maine some of them have an idea of you know oh we want to go to Bar Harbor and Mount Desert Island or we want to go to Kennebunkport I mean we all know those are fantastic communities But if they're staying for like any length of time, I really do try to encourage them to get inland, to get up north, to get farther down east, to to go to western Maine. Because, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, and there's every place has something that's incredible about it. Aaron and I just filmed a Maine Life episode in Rumford and Mexico. Um, I mean, I just love it. I I love it. I love every place we go to. And there's something... Um, really wonderful and special about every community here. And, you know, I'm really grateful that I get to show guests from away. I mean, I have a lot of clients that are Mainers that are just like, hey, you know, we really have never, you know, that there are a lot of Mainers that have never ventured outside of their home community or within a 30 mile radius. And now they're, you know, saying we want to go somewhere else, but we want your, you know, advice on what you think we might enjoy. So it it does bring me a lot of joy, for sure. Well, and, and again, if you're talking, it's not just the bring people in, but to keep people here. Mm. So if you're having people from Maine who are clients of yours and you're, and you're able to say, look, look what's around you. Look at this community that you are part of, or look at another community that's a little bit further away, but still within our state. I mean, that's just such a wonderful way to keep people connected to this place that that really even in even on the worst of days I still feel fortunate to live here. Mhm. I agree. Um and I mean I'm getting folks that are calling me not to set up their vacation plans but folks that are coming here for business that want to extend their business visit or folks that are just like I'm thinking about buying a home in Maine but can we just have a call so that we can weigh options and I can ask them about their varying interests and then say, okay, well, based on that, you know, these are the types of communities that kind of meet and exceed all of those needs. So it's, somebody told me when I started my business that you're going to think your business is going to have this, you know, what you put in your business plan is going to be constant, 
and that, you know, you have this business idea and that you're just going to continue in that direction. And they said, when you start your business, it's, you're going to have all of these different um, avenues that are, or opportunities that are going to present themselves that kind of branch off of that. And it's, you know, the folks that, um, you know, kind of see those as opportunities and pursue them, you know, that tend to be the most successful. Well, I think you and I, the first time I interviewed you was as you were just starting your concierge business. And it sounds like it, at, at least according to the number of things you have that are planned and your bookings, that you have been successful. <laughs> um, yes, I am. Um, I have a friend, uh, Keiko, uh, Chef Keiko Suzuki Steinberger. She owns Suzuki Sushi Bar in Rockland, and she's very humble and very modest about, you know, always learning. You know, you're never you know, you should never kind of consider yourself there or 100% successful that it's continual growth and all of this stuff. And I feel that way. I could never have imagined the, um, I guess, amount of success that I've achieved thus far with this new business. There were so many people who, I mean, I got turned down for my business loans from banks because they had no idea what this service, what my business model was. Um, they didn't want to take that level of risk. Um, and that was hard, um, you know. And I also had a lot of folks that are friends of mine that were restaurant owners and innkeepers that also said, how are you going to make any money? How are you going to feed you? How are you going to survive? I don't even understand what you're talking We have a concierge. We, you know, and um, so, and it was funny. They were like, good luck. Yeah, I think somebody else tried this. I'm like, no, nobody's ever tried it this way. Like, uh, trust me. Um, so um, not to sound cliche about, oh, there were all these naysayers and then I showed them, I proved them wrong. Um, there were tons of people that were wickedly supportive, um, but it was not easy and it is still not easy. I mean, I have a ton of debt from the COVID period. I was still building my business. I think people see me and they see my Instagram and all these luxurious meals I get to enjoy, all these inns and all these experiences. And, oh, I'm snowmobiling this week, I'm fishing this week. I, you know, you have to project that you're, I mean, I am having fun, and it, but it is a lot of work. Um, and I am struggling to pay my bills now. I mean, if I'm really being honest, I have a mountain of debt from deferring my home mortgage payments during COVID, as do a ton of other folks in not just the food and hospitality industry, but tons of small business owners and large business owners and all these people. I couldn't qualify for some of my business wasn't um, eligible for some of the grants and other supports that were available during that period. I had to, I mean, the fortunate thing was I was partnering with uh, vacation rentals and I was doing provisioning and delivery services to people who were kind of quarantining in place in their summer homes, which became their, you know, homes and things like that. I mean, I know that it looks like I'm wealthy and I get to do all these things. And it is important for me to project that I, you know, I'm, I'm doing that because it supports my business 
It supports those businesses that I rely on for my business. But it is, um, I'm, and I'm not like, woe is me. There are a lot of people who are really, really struggling in Maine and elsewhere um, who can barely put a meal on their plate. But like, um, you know, for me to keep paying my mortgage and pay my property taxes and put heating oil in my, I mean, like I run it almost to empty and then refill it. And I'm just being real because I think that it's important. And I think it's to be honest about these things. Like, yes, do I feel like I've achieved success? Yes, there are certain ways that I can measure that. But I mean, you know, I'd like to be able to get to a place where I am not sort of, you know, sort of dealing with high anxiety about whether I'm going to be able to keep my house and whether I'm going to be able to pay my bills and all of this stuff. So um, I, and I think it's um, important for, for me to be honest about that. And I love that you're sharing this and you're willing to be honest because I think it does, it puts you in a place of vulnerability that you, that you can equally say, there's all these great things and... And I think people who have not tried to operate in a small business space have no idea of the personal risk involved and have no idea how much time is spent working on the business. I cashed in my retirement. I have no retirement. I have no savings. <laughs> I, <that's, laughs> I mean, like, you know, that's a real, and that's not just me. I know tons of other folks that are like some of the like highest rated chefs, some of the highest, you know, most, you know, beautiful properties in Maine. And we put every dime that we make into our business. So yes, am I getting to eat at Primo or Cheval or Walker's Maine? Or yes, I, I, because when I get a client, I'm getting paid, but I'm also reinvesting those dollars into my business because I need to continue to to bring in income and those clients want me to know, you know, stay current on things. Um, so anyway, I mean, maybe I'm doing that overshare stuff, but I also think, I think that these conversations are important um, <laughs> because we all have, nobody walks a mile in anybody else's shoes. And I think people sometimes need to come from places of understanding um and that what you see sometimes isn't the full story. What I post on Instagram, you know, and I like to use a lot of humor. It's it's good and it's therapeutic and whatever. But I also, you know, I work my ass off and I'm going to continue to do that because I have no other option. <laughs> I'm not a trustafarian. I don't have a trust fund. I don't have any retirement. So am I worried now because I'm 45? Yeah. But, you know, you just keep keep plugging away. That's what we do here, right? In Maine, that's what we do. I think so. I'm guessing it's also what your grandparents did. Yeah. I don't think you and can... And my mother and my father, they're all, you know, it's, that's, you know, so. But I think, you know, this, this, this what you're identifying is something that I, I'm not sure everybody understands. You can be the owner of a very successful appearing mm -hmm. or successful... Or successful. Successful yeah. by some sort of measurements yeah. business and also, and also, and also, there's a mm -hmm. whole backstory that most people have no conception of unless yeah. they themselves have actually been 
doing that type of work. So I think the fact that you're willing to kind of keep showing up every day, working through your own kind of honest assessment of your life and your needs and mm-hmm. what you need to move forward, but also working with other people who are similarly doing this. And just, you know, whether it's a chef, whether it's somebody in the mm-hmm. hospitality, some an owner of an inn um, and doing that, I mean, you've identified something that's really big. COVID was, it hit the industry very, very hard and a lot of industries mm-hmm. and we're still in it. Yeah, <laughs> we still are. And we may be like medically, maybe a little safer because we have things have shifted somewhat, mm-hmm. but we're going to be experiencing this and living this for quite a while. So how do we kind of try to stay as balanced as we can while we continue to kind of, I don't know, rebuild the resources, I guess, is the only way that I can put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think on top of like COVID and and obviously COVID shifted the dynamic for the way people work and the way people want to work. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Commissioner Laura Fortman at the Maine Department of Labor, I used to work for her and we had a, um, we pulled together a meeting with um, sort of a focus group meeting of some local restaurant owners and others in the Midcoast area talking about their struggles for hiring. I mean, not dissimilar, I guess, to the healthcare industry, but that, and, and, you know, kind of the dispelling the myth that, oh, there's, you know, tons of people, they're just laying around collecting unemployment, they don't want to work. Well, that's actually not, the data doesn't support that. Um, the, the unemployment levels were, and folks collecting unemployment were at some of the lowest, you know, just recently. And I think it's that, you know, people, you know, don't want to work a million hours and not get to spend time with their families. So I know that there's that kind of double-sided um, situation where during COVID, a lot of people did get to reconnect, you know, with their families and spend time with their kids. And so hopefully some of the learnings from that in certain parts of the industry were that people could still find a way to operate their restaurants or breweries or distilleries or restaurants or cheesemaking operations. But um, strike a little bit more of a balance. Um, and I hope that that's, you know, going to continue, but I also hope for the sake of, um, for the state's economy, for their economic well-being and their family's economic well-beings, that they are able to hire enough people and make enough money to support themselves and feel like they're still in a rewarding, ha- that, that their career that they are passionate about is still giving them that passion and feel and that they feel rewarded um, by all the work that they're putting in. And I mean, you know, it's what's going on with the main lobstering, uh, you know, industry. It's like, really? I mean, you know, this was a situation too a few years ago um, with the tax credit stuff for Maine Lobster, you know, everybody wants to see the lobster boats in the water and they want the postcard pictures. And like, what are we all willing to do to help support our traditional industries as well as the innovative, you know, kind of groundbreaking new ones that are coming in here? So um, I'm going to keep eating Maine Lobster. I don't think that, you know, I think that you can um, support Maine's lobster and fishing families and also um, support whales and the environment. (laughs) So I love the, and also, and I think (laughs) there needs to be a lot of the, and also's going on. Yes. Well, 
I'd like to be able to continue to have people support your business. How can people find out about you? How can people connect with you, Vanessa? Thank you. Um, They can find me on Instagram at Your Main Concierge, um, as well as on Facebook at Your Main Concierge or Vanessa Santarelli and um, through my website at uh, (laughs) www.yourmainconcierge.com. So I'm pretty easy to find. Um, but thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm really grateful. And yeah, I, I hope that you felt like the conversation was, was um, in, insightful and fun and not boring. <laughs> no, I got a lot out of it. <laughs> I, I, the thing that I love the most is your level of honesty and your willingness to kind of engage in all the areas. I think that sometimes it is, it's easier to say the happy things. And yeah. I think most people, what, what I've found in my life is that some people assume that if you're saying the happy things, then, um, either you're kind of delusional or <laughs> you're dishonest. But I, what I continually myself try to understand and put forth into the world is saying the happy things is a choice. You're, mm. you're, and you are making a choice to present things in a way that draws people in to support your business and main businesses. And I feel the same way about, I am highly aware of all the terrible things that happen to people over the course of let's say their medical lives. Mm-hmm. And also they are resilient, they are strong. And so I think that that choice to frame things in a specific way in, in no way undermines the difficulty that people experience. And you've just kind of exemplified that all for, for me today. Well, thank you again. I'm, I'm so happy we've reconnected and um, yeah. Um, if you want me to set up an itinerary for you, you know the state probably as well as I do, but happy to help. <laughs> that sounds great. I've been speaking today with Vanessa Santorelli of Your Main Concierge. You can find her at yourmainconcierge.com. And I really hope that you will take this opportunity to reach out and connect with her. She's a wonderfully refreshing and also extremely knowledgeable Maine native and I think Um, We're lucky to have her, and I'm really fortunate that uh, you came in and talked with us today. It was my pleasure. It's beautiful down here. Thank you. (laughs) I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you have been listening to or watching Radio Maine.